1: This episode of Blue Church Breakaway is brought to you by you, the listener. Couldn't do it without you. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to get access to our BSBOT episodes, to get access to our Discord, our Insiders Chat, and much, much more coming this season, including some nice Q&As and a bunch of other stuff. Enough about the paywall. Today we have Vince Mercogliano on the show after Greg and I talk a lot of nonsense about other sports first, including Greg does a rant with some curse words, so non suitable for work, and you're listening to The Car with your family about the Yankees in about a second here. And then also uh, we cover possibilities for some Lions and some other things with the, with the Rangers. And then, of course, Vids comes on, and we absolutely cover every single question we could ask, except for, hey, what is Adam Fox going to sign for? Because we don't want to know the answer. So other than that, here's Mark Messier, and thank you all so much for the support for the show. 30 days away from opening night in New York Rangers official hockey. Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier,
2: and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one rangers podcast.
1: Hey Shirts Rebecca fans, welcome to the Week of the Oh my god, welcome to the Week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello.
2: Um, I think I had a I had something I wanted to say But lord knows if I remember
1: You want to do a complaint corner?
2: Uh, I mean I. it sounds like you do
1: Yeah and Why is it so hot? It's September It doesn't make any it sense not that
2: hot up here buddy <laughs> yeah, that, 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 That's a you problem for living further south
1: Definitely a lot of me issues as of recently That's for sure But it's too fucking hot for September I'll tell you that I have my fall autumn candle You're right everybody I have autumn candles And I cannot light them until the time is right, such as 58 degrees. And I request that now because I'm over summer and I'm ready for hockey to be here, to be honest with you. Uh, you had a hockey vibe last night. I didn't watch the Mets and the Yankees game, but I'm assuming you did.
2: <laughs> I did. But I got, I got, oh, this is what I wanted to say. Oh. Sure. Complaint corner. Sure. Ban ESPN from doing baseball. I agree with you. Ban them. Straight ban them. <laughs> You know what's so They're freaking fucking, weird? That game should have been, tell me, what's so freaking weird.
1: Well, didn't we use to, like, when A-Rod first started doing this color commentary on baseball and such, I was like, wow, A-Rod's really good at this. He's a supernatural. Like, he's going to be like the next, this is before Tony, Tony Romo, but it felt like he'd be like the next Tony Romo.
2: Then all he of a was, sudden. He was great in studio. He was, I don't remember having a positive opinion of him doing an actual baseball game.
1: Agreed. And I remember
2: I, thinking he was the perfect studio analyst. Don't know post-game. why
1: they put him to call games. That felt like the wrong move. <laughs> no,
2: because we were all talking about how great he was pregame, postgame. And, when, and once you start was. talking about something, then they elevate him. Plus, if he wants to do baseball, ESPN gets to dangle that carrot in his face and steal him from Fox. And that's how you get him to leave Fox to join ESPN. Very smart, Gregory. If A-Rod wants to do something, you have to entice him to come to you So you let him do the thing he wants to do, but me, Greg, the baseball viewer, I think Matt Faskersen is, is horribly forced. None of the emotion sounds genuine. I I think I'm one of the few who really liked, I understand we make jokes about Joe Morgan in hindsight, RIP, but I I never had a problem with the John Miller, Joe Morgan booth. That's, that was kind of my, that was fine. I, I could enjoy a national broadcast with that. Now that, I don't, I love Joe Buck, the football announcer. Joe Buck, the baseball announcer, feels like he gets too much time and doesn't know what to say to fill the dead air. So he tosses things over to John Smoltz, who's Buck. somehow fucking worse yeah, he is. than A Rod.
1: Buck crushes NF, uh, NHL. Uh, sorry, um, NFL. I'm sorry, NFL. Yeah, Buck's today. great. Yeah.
2: The Buck Aikman booth, I think, is it's up just there. as good, if not better, than Nance Romo. It's fantastic. It's good. It, it yeah. Buck takes a lot of the heat. Prime
1: time Rightfully so sometimes, but, yeah, I, but I,
2: I've I softened on ESPN him. baseball broadcast, just, man, get the fuck out of my life. Well, that makes like, me you know really how worried better?
1: about the ESPN hockey broadcasts already, to be honest. We're trying to get some yeah, ESPN guests on here, so I'm hoping... Oh, shit. ESPN, you're great at your job. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we take love a, ESPN. I take everything back. You're all wonderful. Yeah, ESPN's dope. Tortorella, come on down, buddy. So, we'll see yeah, how it goes. Yeah, I,
2: uh, I just... Uh, Met fans can't shit on Lindor for a good twelve months. He he's good for he's he's earned some time. The
1: resurgence has come. Congrats. It's been it's, Luis Rojas. God love him. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> I just I don't know what, what motivates a human being to keep Brad Hand in the pitch to John Carlos Stanton and John Carlo. I got words for you, buddy. Shut the fuck up.
1: All right, you injury prone glass ass motherfucker. Oh, Jesus. If you really <laughs> what you think, well, I don't like Stanton. What did he do wrong? I missed it. Explain. He, well, Lindor called out the whistling one on the second podcast. Just well, In a second. We have Vince on. It's going to be a great show. Yeah.
2: Lindor, Lindor calls out the whistling that the Mets feel like we're tipping pitches yep. uh, from the dugout. So Lindor hits the second home run, does the whistling, and is barking at everybody. Fucking love it. I think that's talk, a great heel game.
1: move, by the way.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Then Giancarlo. Giancarlo hits the two-run homer and literally stops at shortstop to tell Lindor to go fuck himself.
1: In in uh, that exact words, <laughs> like those? I, I I'm not a lip reader, but
2: <laughs> the words I saw were: first of all, Mike, fucker, if I can call you that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, but, buddy, wow, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk the shit, finish rounding your bases, then go back out there and talk the shit. Don't run to the fucking dugout like a little fucking dweeb. This is why if the Yankees need Ryan Reeves more than the Rangers do, soft ass bitches, the New York Yankees. Wow.
1: So you had a great night. I'd say,
2: but here's the thing. I'd say the same shit about the Mets if they did. I said this shit. Remember earlier in the season <laughs> oh when um Dom struck out against the lefty reliever from the Phillies and the Philly reliever essentially dragged his dick yep. across Dom's forehead. Yep, visually. Dom did nothing it about it. Yes. Yeah. I called this out. I don't want to hear anyone saying that I don't do this when the Mets. I said that Philly reliever gets to do that. And if you don't want him to do it, you have to challenge him. Guess what? John Carlo, shitbird. <laughs> if you want to talk the shit, you got to back it up. And you got you got your dick pushed in by Francisco Lindor. That's on you.
1: Well, happy happy Yankee or uh, Mets weekend. I, it, it seemed like it went really well for both squads.
2: Uh, oh, no, honestly, Saturday might have been the most. I thought Pete Alonzo's ball was leaving the yard in the third inning, uh, the eighth inning. I really did. And it, I- it just when it didn't, I I felt like someone. Just stole all my Halloween candy. And not just stole it. Chose not to eat it. Just put it on the ground
1: and pissed on it. Just garbage. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you get a very emotional weekend. We haven't even gotten to football yet, of which I watched very little. Uh I ended up watching a lot of tennis this weekend. Like a ton.
2: Ooh, I watched a lot of tennis on Saturday. I actually didn't watch the men's
1: final on Sunday. It was a massacre. So you didn't really miss much. Uh, Djokovic. Much to be Djokovic. Yeah, I was kind of happy. It was weird because... And I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an avid tennis watcher. And we're doing all sports this podcast, as you could tell, because the Rangers have done nothing, and we're going to talk to Vince about all of it. Uh, I didn't understand why people were calling the the crowd in pretty much right next to City Field like uneasy, like rude. I, are you not supposed to cheer and jeer at certain players when in tennis? Is it just of that classy of a sport? Because I feel like if you're in the New York area, and oh, the whole crowd was rooting for Djokovic, seemingly. And this other guy. Oh, no,
2: I think the whole crowd was rooting for Medvedev. Oh, that was not I, the I,
1: case. I promise. I, I watched no. like the whole thing.
2: Uh I, New York famously has been a very anti-Djokovic crowd. I think they were
1: also rooting for the sort of history of Djokovic winning and they continu- oh, that's they continued to jeer and uh and people were saying very rudely uh cheer when Medvedev like would hit I don't know how to say his name of course, you know, but Artem Panarin was there so that was cool. Uh kept hitting the net double faulting and such like that, but I, listen, I don't see it. I I've, this is just like you when you're talking about you. You earn the right. These these people pay to be there. They can cheer a jeer, but that's up to Medvedev to shut them up, and he did. He beat he beat him in straight sets. So congratulations.
2: Did, you're not being able to say Medvedev, Medvedev is really driving me up a wall. Medvedev, like, do you not see the letters in the name?
1: I, it's hard for me to read, like, the dyslexia. It's a real thing. I swear to you. Yeah,
2: it it's impressive. <laughs> um, I don't know. I. I think the U.S. Open crowd has always been a rowdy crowd. It, it's New Duh. York. Yeah, it's the, Duh. US, it's the American Grand Slam. You kind of get what you get. I, I thought uh, the Saturday final with the with the
1: ladies was that a wedding? Wasn't able to watch that one, but I heard great things. Yeah, I.
2: It had the potential. The first set was an all timer, and it was. It's just unfortunate that Fernandez. It it just looked like she didn't have any energy left and read a canoe. Who, by the way, has made me a lot of money
0: Congrats. so far
2: this year. So, big Emma Raducanu guy over here. Big fan. Um, I'm also, I gotta tell you, if mm-hmm. I could be honest, go for, for it. A, this is what we're on, here on for. I mean, you
1: called Gene Stan like every curse word on the, under the book. So, well, I didn't call him, but he well, is. One. I have to cut that one. I can't <laughs> keep that one, asshole. He is, he,
2: since Ryan's gonna cut it, all I said was he can be someone I see um
1: 836
2: but i get so annoyed when hockey media finds a canadian to rally around but it doesn't seem like they really support the canadian in the way that you and i would support someone we rally around we do, just get
1: we do get, that get with really America, right don't in the olympics i mean we kind of just kind of rally around any american we see i don't know any of those swimmers but i cheer crazy for them when they're they're I just I I get I get so
2: annoyed it's a lot of so inspirational blah 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 but I know first of all the fact that Canada let Fernandez be an underdog going into Saturday's final that's an embarrassment and all of you should never be allowed to gamble again if you can't make (laughs) the good people are not betting enough is what you're saying yeah that annoying and second it's just like such a Greg annoyance yeah but also just shut up Canada you guys you guys have everything and you can't they they have something perfect in Connor McDavid and they're fucking it up. You got health so now care. Now they're trying to go you out the there Leafs. and do other things. So yeah, a lot of great stuff. I just I get annoyed. I hockey media rubs me the wrong way, and I just I think Canada's a great place. But your media people, <laughs> hockey media,
1: me. meaning us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally us. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
2: but like, now we're a tennis podcast on top of being a horse racing. I thought podcast, was talking tennis. I think we did a
1: great job. So that yeah. was, that was it. I watched them they I, I saw uh, a slice and I was like, "Ooh, like a slice of pizza." And then they were like, "No." So there's that. That's what I'm talking to. Do you think
2: slice of pizza before slice of bread?
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm. Which I think, I, I think bread. Which I don't think slice of pizza is a thing really outside of New York. And pizza's not really a thing or good pizza's not really what, a you, thing. you don't
2: think pizza people refer to pizza in individual bites as slices?
1: They do not outside of like the tri-state area. That's like a, if you ask for a slice in like the Midwest, they'll look at you with seven heads. It's unbelievable. First
2: of all, there's not pizza in the Midwest. There's it's just like marinara bread. sauce on fried dough. It's cheese
1: bread. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's, there's no
2: pizza in Philadelphia. I lived in Georgia for five years and I would have no problem ordering a slice.
1: I don't know. I've been I've been to places where people look at me. Like I'm crazy. I'm sure some people will tweet at us and say they're blah, looking
2: blah. at you like you're crazy, not because you ordered a slice. But have you ever looked at
1: yourself? Yeah, I have. It's That's why they're looking at you like you're crazy. A lot of Zoom meetings where I have to stare at myself for over an hour. It's a miserable yeah. experience to be honest. All right, let's uh let's get to some Ranger news. There is none. There's none. There's nothing. I mean
2: the Ra- the Ranger news this week is in a gift that. Has a presidential daughter and Brad Pitt. All anybody sees is <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist, and there's a Rangers news.
1: That is the news. Uh, other than that, there was, has been a development camp that has played. They played some games that were totally meaningless, and that is all that has happened. We'll, and Vince has been there, and Vince is coming on the show, so we'll ask him all about it. But that brings us down to uh, we're still waiting on you know who. We're still waiting on if there's a, another move to be made. We are officially, as of recording this, a month away from opening night. 30 days Mm -hmm. exactly against the Dallas stars on a Wednesday. Oh, sorry. We were playing the Washington capitals first, but the home opener is the day after with the Dallas stars at home at MSG. So we are not that long away from preseason games. We are not that long away from really a full season of hockey, including Olympics. And on top of all that, Greg, I, we just don't know the answers and we don't, we have no clue. So I'm assuming that everyone on the team right now is going to be on the team come opening night. I have no other choice because we've gone too far. We're sort of in this segment right now where hockey media is kind of doing the, here are your top prospects and their write-ups articles. Mm.
2: If I get one more push notification from the fucking NHL app asking five questions about
1: Team X, I honestly might cancel my phone. I, I, I did turn those notifications off because that's just what you have to write about these days before camp. There's no lineup questions yet. We can't. We haven't seen what Gallant thinks yet by making the team, where he's putting people on the line, how he's running practice. We haven't had any of those reports yet. Larry went behind a paywall. So uh, patreon.com slash <laughs> we we will tell you what Larry says, I promise, on the show on BSBOT because we always talk about Larry anyway. And there's been, uh, I think, the biggest news or rumor story is that Niels Lundqvist is likely to make the team, and my response to that is no doughy. Uh no duh. Seems like he'll have a chance at running power play, too. That's great. Again, we'll talk to Vince about that in a couple minutes. They're going to—maybe this will actually be the meritocracy that David Quinn always preached to have. I had a uh, had a nice conversation with our friend Shana today about David Quinn's former system and how I'm curious—or lack thereof—and how I'm curious to see uh, what the difference is with Gallant. And those are a lot of questions I want answers. Too, but we're so far away not so far but we're still two weeks away really until we start getting them they're a bit if you go into the season and ask yourself okay what are the big questions there really aren't that many it's hey who's going to take a step forward among kako among Kraftstoff, Lafreniere? i mean can adam fox break out again and do the rangers still have a big move in them and can they compete in this division which i guess we're calling the metro again that will be rather strong yet again and the answer to all those, we do not have just yet. So we need to see how camp goes, how Gallant deploys his players, how we're gonna, who's gonna play with who, where. I think is gonna play on the second line opening opening night, but that's all speculation. But we're gonna have some answers to those in just a couple weeks here. But as we wait, that's all we can do, Greg. Speculate, and all we've done for many months now, from the firing of JD and Gorton, is speculate. And unfortunately, there's been no new speculation that we could do. There hasn't even been rumors. Everyone's been off and everyone's been vacationing. And here we sit a month before opening night when we still don't have the answers we need. So we're going to have to assume that we have them.
2: Yeah, I'm at a point where I don't think the New York Rangers are going to add an outside player to their training camp roster at this juncture in the offseason. I think the time has come and gone. But also, I we have to call a spade a spade. I think Chris Drury made it painfully clear that his level of interest was never all that high. And while it seems like the New York Rangers are just the perfect match for a certain center from a certain team in the Eastern Conference that doesn't play in the Metropolitan Division, it's just not going to happen. And if it does happen, there's no impetus to do it right now. I, I will say I'm now at a point where the bigger surprise is the New York Rangers haven't extended anybody. They haven't extended Fox. They haven't extended Mika because again, we we we've asked we've we've asked this rhetorically, but we've also just stated the obvious. Pavel Buchnevich was traded because of a cap crunch, okay? Where is it?
1: Where's the crunch? You have,
2: <laughs> you have to spend the money to create the crunch if you're not gonna be able to sign Pavel Buchnevich. So it's again, it a lot of the frustration, and I, I feel like people hear us frustrated on this podcast every Tuesday morning and Can I cut you Wednesday off, right? night or Thursday night. Can I, oh yeah. I'm sure, going to do absolutely. it for the
1: first time in a long time. Cause I don't, I don't really do the whole cutoff deal. This is maybe the most frustrated I've been doing this show in a long time. I, even during the pandemic, which I know sounds crazy. We didn't know when hockey was coming back. We had no clue. And yet I felt like we could come on this show every week and we'd find something. We'd, we'd create something. We'd have some nonsense that you and I talk about. Frick. we I said Frick. Nice. That was good. I censored myself. We could talk about Pokemon. We would talk good, good hangs. We'd have all these nonsense episodes. And just over the last two months, the waiting game, the reason we put up the billboard, has been infuriating because that is the key. Jack Eichel moving from Buffalo is the key to moving forward or the Rangers play hockey games. Those are the only two things that can move this narrative forward. There's no speculation. Well, there's nothing we could do. It's well, it's, I it's hard. it sucks.
2: I, no but the part of the reason why it's so frustrating is because for the first time in a very long time, the New York Rangers told us what they wanted to do, which they and don't do. We were, we were given we were given instructions for how this offseason was essentially going to go. We were told the New York Rangers wanted to add a top six player. We were told the New York Rangers wanted to be quote unquote tougher to play against. And we were told the New York Rangers were going to run into a cap situation because of the signings they have to make in order for X, Y, and Z to be humanly possible. And all we've gotten is the New York Rangers are quote unquote tougher to play against. So it's if someone asked me today what I how I would grade the New York Ranger offseason, it would straight up be incomplete because the the criteria in which you gave me to grade from the rubric you set before me. The three things I had to judge this New York Rangers season by, not by the words of you or me or Vince or anybody, but from the New York Ranger organization, you have accomplished one of them. And I can, I can we have talked in detail about what we believe the New York Rangers were able to do in order to become tougher to play against. And it's not that we necessarily dislike it. I don't think. Dislike is the words we would use. I would say we're
1: I'm rather high on critical,
2: but mostly fine. You know that with the bottom six moves the New York Rangers have made. Yeah, like I'm not going to sit here and I I don't care about the six year deal with Barclay as much as other people do. I'm really just going to look at it as a three year contract and then I'll worry about the second three year contract when I have to. But for the first three years of that deal, I think Barclay Goodrow is going to do everything the New York Rangers signed him to do. The problem is. Barclay Goodrow, when he was acquired, it was under the guise that he would be a penalty killer and a bottom six forward who would be able to just play shut down defense. But now and we do live the in dirty a world work because... that other
1: players don't want to do.
2: Yeah. But now we live in a world where, you know, it is not a hot take to say you expect Barclay Goodrow to play on the second line with the New York. Uh, Rangers I fully
1: expect it. And I, I, you know, I, I said this today, there's a reason why they ran Colin Blackwell with Artemi Panarin. Cause Colin did the dirty work and Colin's no longer on this squad. And who's going to replace him?
2: Wait, Colin's not on the squad. Where'd he go?
1: He went to uh, Seattle. Oh, he did. Yeah. Do you he remember? Was... Did you forget?
2: <laughs> <laughs> My God, I, forget, I forgot that Seattle took Colin. They Blackwell took Colin Blackwell. Kevin yeah.
1: They took Blackwell. I missed wow. it.
2: I totally, totally forgot about that.
1: The King. Yeah. So, uh, wow. he's gone. So that's, uh, so, Colin's going to be, you know, instead of playing that second-line role with Panarin and Strom. Strom's still here, by the way, and Strom clearly likes playing with Panarin. I fully expect them not to have Kraftstoff, who's not going to know where to go and how to do the dirty work at an NHL level versus the versus the caliber of player he's playing against at that point in time. I fully expect I will, Goudreau to be there. Well, I will say, again, I
2: <sighs> Galan is coming in with a fresh eye on it. I don't think it's unrealistic to think the top line could have Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kako, right? That's just it. Boy, that's like a nice...
1: I, I mean, I haven't smiled yeah, all day, I, but I'll tell you what, I that don't, did it. I
2: don't, <laughs> I don't think I can sit here and necessarily say that Goodrow for sure will be on the second line with Artemi Panarin. I, he would be if David Quinn was here. I, I know that in my heart, and I know that for a fact, but I can't sit here and tell you for sure that Artemi Panarin won't be playing at five-on-five five with Mika Zibanejad and our Cabo Caco. I have to give Gerard Gallant the benefit of the doubt there. I, I, I would be surpri- it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me either if he wasn't, but I can't sit here and tell you for sure that the top line, it, it just, I know, I know Gallant loves giving kids an opportunity with veterans. So I absolutely expect one of Lafreniere or Caco to get an assignment with Mika Zibanejad, but I I'd sit here and tell you I'd be surprised if both of them did, and I know that Gerard I know Alexi Lafreniere is playing top six, whether Chris Kreider is here or not, I don't think Gerard Gallant is going to stick Chris Kreider above either of those players. If all likely like if anything Kreider if he wants to be in the top six has to play on the right side. And maybe he does, but I, I, I even with Gallant playing the babies. As a forefront, I don't know. I don't think I could sit here and tell you for sure that it makes the most sense to put Lafreniere and Kako with Mika Zabenejad. I think maybe you have to break them up a little bit. And the only way to break them up is to either put Kako on a line with Panarin and Strom, which I don't think is ideal for Kako. I don't think so. Either. Or you put Panarin up on a line with Zabenejad and Kako. And I think that has a bit more intrigue. It's got it's got than more I think otherwise.
1: To it. it has more oomph.
2: And Yeah. And I, then you get Lafreniere, you get Strom, and you get I don't know. Boy. I like my hope, honestly, it sounds weird because I understand he's more valuable than the New York Rangers long term as a center. I hope Goodrow is your third line center and they just move heel the wing to the right and put him on the what second hell?
1: line. I mean the, there was one more piece of news. They did do a press conference, and they came out, and they said, I, we do believe that Morgan Barron and Filippito and are centers. And that was about the biggest piece of news they said because everything else was a nothing burger.
2: Yeah, but I also believe like the Yankees will continue to say that Glaber Torres is a shortstop. That doesn't mean Gleyber Torres is a shortstop. Good point. Good you point. Can, just, just because you say the Mets for years said that Michael Conforto can play center field, that Ioannis Cespedes can play center field. They lied. They said that Seth Lugo could start games if he needed to. Like, just because management is saying something doesn't mean management believes what they're saying. There's a big reason why they're saying it. One, to appease the player, and two, to appease Buffalo. To make sure other teams know <laughs> that he can still do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's like true. shit. But but that's how many, how many times like I I don't know. You you can find an example of this in every sport. Like RJ Barrett can play point guard, right? Dude, there like, was
1: an argument this week in Liverpool about uh, Trent Alex- Arnold-Alexander, if he was a midfielder or a right-back Trent defender. Alexander-Arnold. Whatever. Fucking... I'm still working on it. What do you mean whatever? That's supposed to be your squad. I, I, I watch every game. There you go. T- yeah, I, I call him still, TAA. He's
2: like your brightest young player, and you're like Trent Arnold-Alexander.
1: I don't know why I did that. You know I have dyslexia. That's how I do it. Incredible.
2: Yeah. Uh, Kako Capo is going to start on the Rangers' center <laughs> position. I haven't, I haven't messed
1: that one up somehow. Hmm. But, yes. So, uh, yes, there is an argument – for this in every single sport constantly.
2: And yes. So jury saying it it, to me, that's not even news. Also jury saying it's great. Gerard Gallant. One thing we know about Gerard Gallant is he refuses to play rookies on the fourth line. Doesn't see it as a fit. I don't disagree. I I'm here for it. You're not going to develop anyone by playing them on the fourth line. Well, then Morgan Barron's going
1: to go to the AHL. That's for sure.
2: Sure. Or he's not going to play center, which also fine, but it's, It it, it, it's to me when management says something like we we see this guy as a center that's great I see him as an eligible bachelor doesn't mean I'm gonna hook him up with one of my cousins or something like it's it doesn't mean anything it's just word vomit at the end of the day
1: do you think there's a scenario where Morgan Barron could end up being what we hoped Julian Gauthier could be that Uh, third line uh, right winger with some some sort of power and size
2: maybe. I don't, know. I, there, I, I don't I'm, know. I'm still not convinced that Julian Doce can't be that.
1: <laughs> That's true. He's still, he actually still is on the squad. He did
2: not go to Seattle. Which is surprising. I think the, the storyline to me that doesn't get talked enough about is what the fuck did Seattle do at the expansion draft? Yeah,
1: I. I it is real confusing. It Weird. Very took strange. Zero swings. Don't know. I, sometimes I look at the roster and I go, hmm, what? I, it I, does, I, the
2: roster is not going to be a train wreck. It's not, they took some good players and, you know, there there's possibilities that, you know, if they do struggle, they could flip those guys for future assets and make themselves one of the premier players when it comes to the trade market for disgruntled stars which is interesting
1: Uh, to me, they they did that the sort of the asset build where they're going to take these players that they can trade and then build themselves through the draft sort of the exact, but here's here's the thing Vegas.
2: They didn't, they still could have taken more and they didn't. I'm not saying they had to max themselves out cap wise, but they essentially took AHL tweeners from 24 of the 32 teams. So strange.
1: It. I just. I mean, oh, God bless them. I hope it works. They they kept talking about how they're going to take your favorite players. Did none of that, and we know they have yeah. a very talented and smart, brilliant squad over there with people we yeah, know like and the, love. The
2: favorite the favorite player they took was what Mark Giordano, who people remember that remember that three day stretch. Were for Mark Giordano. I,
1: listen, I was really happy. I thought that I was like that yeah, would have been ed- a smart move. That's a great addition for the Rangers. Holy cow, nice. He's like this guy nope. could play first line left wing. I mean, a left left defenseman. That'd be awesome. I don't know why I said wing. Nope. Yep, that did not well,
2: According to you, we could.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, I don't know. Have we tried it? Have we tried Coco at center? Okay, um, let's get into five-star questions, then we'll get to our friend Vince. Uh, this is from TSE1231. If you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our Discord, become a Patreon subscriber, and leave a five-star question for us. Or you can leave one on iTunes, and we'll read it from there. All right. Uh, we regularly hear about how the NHL sometimes struggles to market itself to new fans, both in North America and abroad. If you woke up tomorrow with a text from the NHL bigwigs asking you for three ways to improve new fan growth, how would you do it, and why?
2: Uh, I would eliminate penalties for offer sheets. Yes. Slash that cash. You, yeah. I, I would. I would fire that
1: TikTok kid and hire a new one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know i don't understand tiktok so i I'm i just can't old. even yeah yeah he's it I, the, the children said he's problematic i would agree with the children. i, I agree, I listen to I agree
1: children. with the children hands up
2: uh yes though so they should wear masks in school there so you That's go. for their own fucking good uh yeah number one eliminate compensation on offer sheets let's get player movement rolling number two i would hmm I Probably think you, buy some billboards. That seems to work. <laughs> the
1: billboard thing seems to work. Not a waste of money, and yeah, I I, I think you'd have to you'd have to cross promote the way you have to have the. It, it's really important. And I I hate saying this. You have to have hockey segments on first take. It's gotta happen. Well, I think I, I the the most talk. I gotta about... tell you,
2: I, I I number two for me, honestly, and the owners will never agree to it. I think you got to get rid of the salary cap because I just don't think. I don't think North American sports fans will ever understand why $8 million is a lot for one player. Just it, it, that doesn't compute. The baseball fan doesn't understand it. The NFL fan doesn't understand money. The NBA fan doesn't understand anything below 20. Well, so like me trying to explain to a friend who doesn't like hockey, they're like, all right, the Rangers got Artemi Tammy and how much money are you paying him a year? And I tell them $11 million. It's like a joke. Change. And they're like, "What? No, I thought you said he's really good." Yeah, he's the best and left wing to in the league. To him, that in hockey terms, that's apparently really good. Like it's, it's, it's just. A, I, I do think if someone in hockey was getting paid twenty million dollars a year, whether they deserve it or not, it would warrant more conversation. You ready for? Like we go on. Sorry. No, I don't. I don't know if I had it. it just it, it's people react to dollars, and right now, like. Oh, no, the Rangers are paying Chris Kreider $6 million a year, and I have to and, explain and to we someone. Com- and we
1: have to complain about it. You know how embarrassing yeah, like, that I is? I have to
2: explain to someone how him making less than, like, Drew Smiley on a one-year deal
1: is a problem. It's a, it's a big issue. It's huge. All right, here's mine. We let players go to free agency way earlier so we don't control their rights. So, may I don't know, what is it, ELC, three years, right? So we'll do two years. And max contract you can sign. Four years. That's it. Four-year contracts. It increases transactions. Because what drives the NBA? I mean, obviously, the the fits, the Instagram, the social media, that is the drama of it. But on top of that, the transactions. The every single year you can kind of have the, uh, this guy went where, what, how he did what, why would he do that? And those drive the conversations. You and I have talked about Jack Eichel for too long and too much. Ah, uh, but that they have a Jack Eichel situation every I don't know minute and a half, and I—that's also part
2: of. Again, it's it, it's not a direct comparison to the NBA because NBA players aren't afraid to speak out. They're not. They're not. If they're unhappy, they let you know. And if they're unhappy, NBA NBA teams have no choice but to move on from them because one NBA player impacts a team so much. whereas, whereas
1: that's whereas, not the case.
2: Yeah, Jack Eichel, even at his peak, is going to play less than thirty percent of his team's minutes on a given night. Yes, that 30% is going to be the most impactful 30% that the Sabres will have, but again, you're, you're an NBA player plays for 40 of 48 minutes and if you're LeBron James, you're the most important player on the floor every one of those seconds you are out there whereas Jack Eichel 70% of the games going on without him. So it's it's just the importance of one player in the NHL, it's big, but it's not NBA big. So when an NBA player is upset And also an NBA player could sign a five year deal. And if they're unhappy after one year, guess what? You're still going to get traded mostly because contracts are super movable in the NBA because of salary cap structure and the NHL salary cap structure is so goddamn rigid that it discourages player movement. To me, I would just blow it up. Let the rich team spend. And if you're, if your team is not owned by a rich man, have them sell it to a rich man or woman 2021. don't need to be a man. Yep. Let's 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 get the Queen involved in one of these teams. I'm interested. She's got money. She's old as shit. You think she she should just go <laughs> hey, like listen. Detroit owners? The who is the Detroit owner? Like Mitch Illich or whatever? Where he like he hit 85 and was like, fuck, I only got five years left. I'm just gonna um spend to the cap immediately on all my teams. And who cares what happens when I'm dead? Because guess what? I'm gonna be dead. Let's get those guys in the NHL or ladies. Again, or ladies. Yeah, I want. I guess I just want the queen number three. <laughs> get the
1: queen to own an NHL team. <laughs> we did it. Uh, this is from uh, Lundquist for Calder DefCon Two. The question: You're never going to believe it. Uh, a little early, but where does Lundquist place in the Calder voting this coming year? Uh, not in the top ten, in my opinion. Uh, I yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, not happening. probably not. Uh, I don't. I don't see a situation where he gets in the top ten. Mostly because I don't expect him to be running or playing the same minutes that, you know, something that Adam, Adam Fox are gonna play, is going to play those minutes, really, a lot of the time. Jacob Trub is going to play those minutes. He's not going to really score enough or do enough to have that kind of voting power. Uh, you could change what? This is from David. You could change one thing at, at MSG not related to the players or front office, like beer or food options, or seat prices, layouts of the seats atmosphere to make it a more enjoyable experience or make it harder for the opposing team to win. What do you change? I literally get rid of potfin sucks.
2: That's it. I don't think that makes it harder there to play. It just makes it more enjoyable for me as the fan. Same.
1: And that's what I'm going for. A more enjoyable experience. (laughs) I have a great time in MSG. I do. It's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, also fans. Last time I went, there were no fans. I would like a pack. Fans, fans help. (laughs) Fans make (laughs) the atmosphere. I have to tell you. Podvin sucks. Chan is just so so... over it, dude. Ugh.
2: yeah. It's like, we're not, we're also not playing like Duran Duran during the timeouts. It's, some things are just meant to be in the '80s. Hey, Durant Durant slaps.
1: That's not just not about Potvin, okay? It's a totally I, different thing.
2: I'm just saying, some things from the '80s can be left in the '80s. I just don't need it anymore. The here. people, the people paying for Ranger tickets, sure, they may know Potvin, they may know the history, they may be like, "Well, my dad did it, so I did it." I don't know. You know, it's over.
1: I don't know how yeah. I, it's over. find a new show. It's I, I I find it so weird and so when I go to other games and other teams aren't playing, so like I've gone to a couple Islander games, I lived on the Island most of my life, it's so weird when they're playing like Chicago Blackhawks and there's are just like fuck the Rangers, I'm like what are we doing what what is this? This is not what it's about.
2: Yeah, I Don't get understand. I get annoyed when Mets fans start chanting "Yankees suck" while they're losing three to one to the Cardinals. Cool. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was in Boston. They were doing the same thing. I was at Fenway. It was an awesome time in the middle of nowhere. Fuck the Yankees. I was like, we're you're playing the Indians? <laughs> like, oh sorry, the uh, Guardians. that's the Guardians. The Guardians. I was about to the say. Uh, roller hockey squad. Yeah, uh,
2: the spy- The the team formerly totally known as the yes. Spiders. Yes,
1: I, the Spiders so much cooler, so much cooler. Uh, last question, for Dan from LI. Question mainly for Greg. I was at the thousand fifteen Flores game versus the Nationals, and I think last night's game against the Yankees was the best Mets game since then. What do you think? Even Saturday's game was exciting. Uh, I, I Jacob Degrom is pitched Lasso. right. <laughs> like, Who? Jacob Degrom he pitched earlier this year. Like wasn't that? But awesome?
2: also I I just have I have Ted Lasso goldfish brain when it comes to like great Mets games. I also think we over. We overinflate just how quote unquote great that Flores game was. Like it was one to one in the tenth inning. Wasn't a well played game by the New York Mets. A game that I'm sure Eric Campbell started at first base. Yeah. Like you're okay. Save save me the first nine innings of that Met game. Um I don't know. I I would say no. I'm sure there were games in twenty sixteen that were bonkers. I'm sure there were games fucking this year that were bonkers that I'm just not remembering. I know for a fact, I mean, like, if you want to go for exciting comebacks, there's the game from 2019 when, was it 2019? I think it was 2019. Was it 2019? <laughs> Let's play. What I year don't know. was it? It? Was, it was the game when the Mets were down 6-3 to the Nationals. Frazier hits the three-run homer with two outs. And then Conforto, it was 2019 because Conforto got his shirt ripped off by Pete Alonso that then Conforto hits the walk-off, like, an inning or two later. Um, like, that was more exciting than the Flores game. The Flores game's a great moment. I'm not trying to take away from it, but I don't know. I think we remember the end. We don't remember the three hours that the Rents and Nationals had to do to get there. And it was it was bad. It was just not a, not good. That, met, that 2015 Met team sucked ass before Cespedes, Kelly Johnson, and Juan Uribe showed up. So weird. What a weird team.
1: All right, let's get to our, our guest of the day. We have Vince Mercugliano of USA Today. Hello, HUD, whichever you want to call it. And we'll, uh, we'll say hi to Vince and ask him all the questions about this year's New York Rangers squad transition. Back with reoccurring guest and good friend of the podcast, Vincent Mercogliano of USA Today. Vince, how are you? Well, well, well. Oh, well. If it isn't if it isn't you two. My fellow yeah. IPA drinker, how are you, my friend?
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: First of all, first of all, both you hoity toity assholes. Oh, enjoy or... your bud light water. Jesus. <laughs> Listen, nobody... here's here's the thing, Vince. All beer tastes bad. It all's terrible. That's
3: wrong. I, I, I hard disagree. Hard Same. Disagree. Well, no.
2: Well, you're, you're you're lying to yourself, and I think you should stop. <laughs> you're a father now. I don't want your kid
1: growing up in a world of lies. What is your, What, what are you talking of, about? What
3: kind of father would I be if I was bringing home thirty packs of Bud Light and sitting on the couch? My
1: hours. dad is what you would be.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hot I'm not, start. I'm not
2: saying you need to be drinking thirties. We're we're grown I've men here. Seen...
3: Do any does anybody purchase Bud Light in anything besides a thirty pack or any of those watery light beers?
2: Uh, I get twelve packs. Thank you very much. I don't have okay. time to drink thirty beers anymore. <laughs> I can
1: only do twelve. Everyone relax.
3: I just, yeah. I just think of, I just. I have think to drive problems. later. I think the only time I bought those kind of beers was in college, and it was always in a thirty pack form.
1: Yeah, that's well. Yeah, to I mean that's way.
2: that's just called good good money investing right there when yes, you're in college. Yeah, if you only yeah. get fifteen bucks. You might as well get. 30 beers for 12. Nice ROI on
1: that investment. There yeah.
2: you go. All right, no, I, I, yeah. When I go to the track, I if I go to the track in Saratoga, the last thing I want is like a fucking dogfish or whatever that shit is called. <laughs> Oh, sweetwater give me water 420s Oh, oh man, you're, yeah. you're, you're really no.
3: messing
2: up there <laughs> Give me give me fucking six tall boy PBRs And I'm a fucking pig and shit You know what, I like a I,
3: I can respect a PBR more than like a, a bush I like a Bud Yingling, Light. not gonna lie Love a Yingling I can go with a Yingling, yeah, that's okay I mean, honestly, I like Coors Original, the banquet beer Maybe it's nostalgic for me But every time I went to my grandfather's house Like that's his go-to beer Was the little stubby bottles of the banquet and, like, I have a little soft spot for that, but the light beers, that's what really gets me. The light stuff for I beer, pong.
1: That's where I'm at. Here's, yeah, I, here's, I
2: here's the thing. I just – who's just having one beer? Like, that's the thing I don't understand. If I'm <laughs> having alcohol, my goal is not to, like, savor this refreshing twist of lime, hint of mango, Mumbo jumbo. That's what all right? the commercials tell you to do. One? No, Who if I'm only having one. But that's my thing. I'm not gonna have six IPAs, Vince. What? No, the... I'm
3: not. No one, do one do has six doing.
1: IPAs, Greg. Jesus. I,
3: IPA is a good starter. You could start the night with two or three of them, and then yeah, you can move on to a different. On. I like variety. I, I don't oh, only. Vince like is IPAs, dying right
1: now. We're done with. IPA is one of my. <laughs> <laughs> you you're,
2: you're killing me. First of all, the rhyme is always true. Beer before liquor, never been sicker. So I'm not gonna have an IPA and then move on to like, you know. The next part of my evening, which ends up with me in a stall, just (laughs) yakking everywhere.
3: So you never have a nice nightcap, a nice little, like, uh, we call it a schnauzer, like a little bourbon or scotch or something at the end of the night? Uh, No. Nightcaps
2: were huge at college for Ryan. Big time. I have I have yeah. never ingested Obanite alcohol without the express written consent purpose of getting <laughs> drunk. I don't. Uh, I I just. I if I'm not. If if my mood is not to get drunk, I will have a glass of water and go to bed. That's so Gregory. <laughs> well,
3: I, I guess maybe it's fatherhood, but even well before fatherhood, like on. I, I a lot of nights, like when I'm just having dinner, I will have a glass of wine or two at dinner. Or oh, it's a called beer or being two Italian, dinner. Vince. You're and good, that, buddy. And that, and that floats my boat. I mean, obviously on weekends or some nights where I have more than two or three, but I enjoy especially pairing it with different As I was foods. about to say, like, Vince, can, I've seen your cooking, man. Of course you're pairing. It's yeah, like absolutely I mean, what you're doing. You really, really dropping the ball here, Greg. You want to just talk some Rangers before you embarrass yourself? <laughs> no,
2: you no, no. It? I'm not. I just, I just, I, don't. I've never understood the purpose of being like I'm going to enjoy this one beverage while I'm eating something. First of all, it's called pairing a
1: huge cuisine. Alcohol
2: you like while wine? you're eating is alcohol while you're eating is just chaotic behavior to me that I can't relate. Oh my to. god, we need to move on. <laughs> do you
3: like wine,
1: Greg?
2: I do not, and it disappoints oh, my just... dad to no end because my dad oh my is the kind of dad that like we have. When my, when my parents sold our house in Connecticut, the one priority for my dad was there needs to be a wine cellar to where he's moving next. Wow. This man has bottles yeah. from like 1970 still chilling in the wine cellar. He loves his wine. And he can give you a med player him. from
1: every bottle. It's unbelievable. I,
2: he, I've disappointed him in so many aspects of life, but no aspect more than the fact that not only do I dislike wine, I actively hate it. All right. I, think-
3: I want to I, I invite to Mr. Kaplan's house. Uh,
2: first, <laughs> First of all sir that's Dr Kaplan he'll be the oh, first one to correct you on sorry that. excuse me <laughs> but yeah no he like we went Jesus. out to a fancy steak dinner a couple weekends ago cuz i it's the first time i saw him since this pandemic happened and oh, he wow. was he was going through this steakhouse i would say 115 page wine list trying to pick the perfect wine for the steak that he wanted that night and the waiter comes out to he me like, and i was like water. i'm good with water <laughs> like i'm i'm fine <laughs> I don't. Uh, you I don't do, have a
3: nice. You gotta have a nice glass of red with a steak,
2: man. I'm, I just I've tried red. I can I can I can do whites. I'm fine with Love that. The I've tried red. I can't do it. Just can't do it. Vince,
1: all right, we've let's had we've had we you for five upset. minutes. We're gonna do. A, we're gonna play a game called Make a Headline. Is this the New York Rangers roster that will open the opening night? I guess against the Capitals. Is is there is there any trade going to happen between now and then, or do we have all the answers right now?
3: Nice nice pivot, Ryan. Um, I can't sit here and tell you anything definitively. Like, if a trade happens between now and opening night, it would not shock me. But I am – I wrote this last week when I got back from paternity leave. Like, I am moving forward with the assumption that the Rangers are going to go with this roster. And, listen, I've talked to people about this all summer long. Like, they have really been banging the drum, especially since the Reeves trade because I think they were in on a few guys at the end of free agency, like Nick Ritchie, for example. I I think they wanted to add one more sort of power forward to the mix, one more gritty guy, and they did that with Reeves. And obviously we know the center question is going to linger, but I I think that for a while, especially since around the draft, when I and I'm sure other people reported that they felt the asking price for Eichel was way too high, I think that they started feeling like they weren't going to just force a trade for a center just for the sake of doing it. I think there is no, for lack of a better term, gun to their head to do it now. Obviously, if the right opportunity presented itself, they'd love to jump on that. They have the assets to make the move, as I'm sure you guys have talked about before. But they can also wait to the trade deadline and see what kind of position they're in and see if maybe teams that fall out of the race, like maybe a San Jose or something like that, decides that they want to be sellers at the deadline. And if the Rangers are in the playoff race at that point, they could be more aggressive. So I would never say never. We, we asked Jerry the question the other day and we knew what the answer was going to be, but he basically said, I'm okay with the roster as it is, but I'm always looking to make the team better. But, But I mean, to an extent that's true. If, If something happens, if the price for Eichel drops or another center comes available in the next few weeks that they're interested in, I think that they would be aggressive. But I do believe that with the roster they have right now, they're moving ahead with the assumption that this is going to be what they roll with into the season. And I've talked to a lot of different people about this, and you know, like it or not, I know some fans will criticize certain moves, and I think that that's fair in certain spots. But they, I think, feel comfortable that – this roster can make a playoff push because they feel like while they might have lost some skill, which with Bucinavich, which they definitely did, they feel that the clearly defined roles, and we've heard Drury bring that up countless times, there's more clearly defined roles on this team. They feel like each line is going to have more of a purpose, is going to have more clearly defined roles, and they feel like they're going to be a more balanced team for it. We'll see if that's actually the case, but I think that they feel like this is a roster that can compete as it is right now, not compete for a cup, of course, but maybe make a push for a playoff spot.
2: Vince, which of these two scenarios is the more surprising scenario in your eyes? The Rangers seemingly not adding a top six forward to this roster that wasn't previously with the organization or Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox at all. Nobody at this juncture being signed to a long-term extension. Which is more surprising, more surprising. The first one.
3: I, I did expect them to to get some kind of a center this offseason. That was a goal. Like there's no there's no secret about that. That was a goal at the beginning of the summer, but as I as we just touched on, I think that the way that the market materialized, they felt like even though they wanted to make that kind of move, was it worth forcing it? Was it worth overpaying? Was it worth giving up more than you thought you should to make that happen? And I think that ultimately as they had those conversations over the course of the summer, they decided that patience wasn't necessarily the worst approach that overpaying or overstepping would be a bigger mistake than waiting. So I think that I'm more surprised by the fact that they didn't get the top six kind of center. Uh, As for the, the second part, uh, I always thought it was a little bit of a long shot for them to get either one of those guys under contract long-term this summer. Although I reported, I think like back in the end of the spring that they were like at, shortly after the season started, that they, they were sort of poking around with Zabinajad just to get a feel for what he wants, get a feel for what that deal might require. And I was told if they could get into the range that they want, which is closer to 8 million per year, that they would absolutely be open to doing it this summer. But it all comes down to what is Mika going to be looking for? Is he going to, push for 10 million or something close to that or can they find some common ground like i I don't know where his mindset is at with that i don't know if he wants to be here strongly enough to accept half a million maybe close to a million less than what he wants or does he want to maximize his value and and i don't think anybody would blame him for that but that's kind of the big question at least in in the mika situation
1: get that bag mika i don't have a problem with it at all but was there any talk about the years with Mika? Would it be a max eight-year deal, or was that never really discussed? I'm sure it's all been discussed, but again, this is all kind of like I—I I can. It's speak all
3: hearsay. I—I so, yeah. I, I reached out to Mika's age because I know kind of where the Rangers' thinking is. But I reached out to Mika's agent, who's also his brother, to see if I could get anything as far as you know what does Mika want. I didn't get an answer. So I I can't sit here and tell you that I know for sure what Mika, I mean, I'm sure he wants close to 10 million a year as he, as I think anybody in his position would, I think that the money you have a pretty good feel for, but does he, is he going to demand the eight years or is he willing to come down to five, six, seven years that I'm not sure on. I know the Rangers obviously would prefer fewer years because he's already pushing 30 years old. I think he's 28 now. So I think the Rangers would prefer fewer years,
1: Uh, but I don't know if that's something that Meek is going to be amenable to or not. So you mentioned at the trade deadline, they still could make a move. I have pretty high hopes for this team. I'm a pretty optimistic guy in general. I'm we'll talk about Glant at some point during this podcast. And I'm a sort of a believer, but that brings me back to Ryan Strom, who is on this squad and is going to be a free agent after this year. There's been probably no, they've, Pretty much openly said they've been trying to trade him for three years. They have not committed to him long-term. Don't think there's going to be a contract extension. But at this trade deadline, if the team is performing well, let's say they're first, second, or even third in the, a competitive metro, they'll have to Strom will have to be part of that trade package, will he not? Because that's a, going to be a free agent and an asset you could lose for almost nothing at the end of the year if you're making that push.
3: If they're in it, I don't think he has to be part of a trade package. If he's performing well and he's he's a big part of what they're doing— I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to get rid of him, Uh, but if they fall out of the race, like if they, if it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs, then I absolutely think he'll be a guy that's shopped because if you're going to, if you're not going to make the playoffs and you're going to lose him for nothing at the end of the off season, you should try to get something while you could, but if they're in it, I don't think that it would be a situation where they have to trade him by any stretch.
2: I Vince, I'm curious. You, you obviously, this is going to shock our listeners much more connected to the team. than right. So weird. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> how do you how do you view everything we've gone through with ryan Strom? how not not so much how did we get here it just how are we still talking about possibly trading ryan strome why has this been a narrative that we've had on this podcast seemingly since 2018
3: a couple things
2: I, I think part
3: of it i don't want to say
2: it's fan driven but i think that
3: there's always been this perception. Like I remember the first year I came on the beat, I think we talked about it on this podcast, probably the first time I was on his shooting percentage is unsustainable. Cause remember when the Rangers traded for him, uh, I guess it was 18, 19, he scored some goals, had a very high shooting percentage and everybody thought it was, it wasn't sustainable. Well, then what happened the next season, he doesn't score goals at that same pace, but he racked up assists. He had that great chemistry with Panarin. He, he was, you know, a very productive player for the Rangers on the second line. Then everybody's thinking after that season, oh, well, there's no way he can do that again. He's not going to be able to repeat that. Then he comes out last season. He averaged more points per game, and he even had stretches where he played without Panarin and was still a productive player. So I think he has answered a lot of those questions year after year, and now he's been here for two and a half years, and he's done nothing but, but reinforce his value, reinforce that he's not a guy that you should just get rid of for nothing or get rid of for very little. So I think there's value to keeping him. I do think... That when you project long-term because he's a guy who i think is even a year older than mika and you're not going to want to pay him even more of a raise which he'd be due for now to keep him long-term i I don't think it makes sense to sign him to a long-term contract i think ideally you find a guy with more upside preferably a little bit younger when you're projecting the long-term roster but for the here and now to me i don't know if it makes sense to just kick him out of town unless you have an obvious upgrade and besides Eichel like a lot of the names that were realistic targets for the Rangers I don't know if they were obvious upgrades like he's been more productive than pretty much any of those other young centers that got or centers in general that got traded or moved this offseason or that were available in the free agent market even to know like he's a much better defensive player obviously and I know the Rangers had some interest in him but he's nowhere near as productive offensively as Ryan Strom so I I don't think that I think if the Rangers made the Eichel deal, they obviously would have turned around and probably dealt Ryan Strom if he wasn't included in the Eichel deal itself. But I don't think that it is a, a situation where they feel like they need to get rid of him right now or else they're in trouble. I think, listen, if he plays out the year and has another productive season for them and helps them, you know, in their minds, hopefully make the playoff push. Then even if he walks away at the end of the year and you get nothing for him, like he he was valuable while he was here for them. So I think there's like this been this narrative that they need to upgrade. They need to upgrade. They need to upgrade. And in, in an ideal scenario, of course, they would like to do that. But if if you're not getting an obvious upgrade, like, you know, sometimes it's like uh, what's the what's the saying? Like the we you have you a know? girlfriend, you're, always, you're you're always looking at other girls because you think that, you know, there's something better on the other side. But what you got is pretty good. Like, I think that that's kind of a situation with Ryan Strome right now where the Rangers aren't in a terrible spot if he's their second line center. They could be in a much worse position. I think if you look at actually all of – I wrote this recently – all of the center combinations in the NHL, so number one center, number two center on any team, there's only two guys or two teams that have had centers who have put up more points in the last two years. That's Toronto and Edmonton. So – the Rangers have a pretty productive second line center on their hands right now, and if they go into the season with that, it is by no means a worst case scenario.
1: I agree with you. I like Ryan Strom a lot. He's a great guy and a great personality for the locker room. I think he provides a lot of intangibles on top of actually uh, providing a lot of great play over the past two years. And if he hits some of those empty nets he missed, uh, he'd be that that point total might even be higher. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen,
3: he's he's not he's far from a perfect player. He's no not great defensively. Yeah. yeah, he's not. He's he doesn't. I mean, the Rangers are obviously trying to become a more physical team. Like he, that's not his playing style. But he clearly has uh, chemistry with Panarin, and he clearly puts up points. Like I don't care what you say about the dude, he puts up points. So you know, I, I think that for them as a placeholder, I I would be against signing him to a long term deal. But as a placeholder, it, it's not the end of the world. In fact, it's probably better than a lot of other
1: options. Agree. Camp has not opened yet, so we we're not able to sort of evaluate the lines and what will Gallant do. But I'm sort of just reading the tea leaves here as what we, this is what we have to do at this point in the off season. We talked about Ryan Strom just a second ago, so that leaves me with the centers of Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, and Philip Hedl. That leaves me with a lot of question marks at right wing. Have you thought of any details of Kako is obviously going to be. Maybe first line right wing, maybe they put him on the second line, who knows. But to me, it goes Capo and then Goudreau, the craftstoff is that what the projected three right wings are? Because that's sort of uh, even more of a question than really the centers at this point. That's,
3: that's probably who the top three right wings are going to be. I, I'm going to be really fascinated, though, to see how Gallant moves things around, because I think assuming they don't make any trades, the top nine, like there's no real competition for who's going to be in the top nine. We know who the players are. It's Lafreniere, Panarin, Kreider as the three left wings. It's Zabinajad, Strom, Hedl as the three centers and it's Kako, Kratsov, Goudreau as the three right wings. Now there's definitely a chance. I actually think there's probably a pretty good chance that we're at least going to see one of those left wings, probably Kreider, maybe Lafreniere, definitely not Panarin get a look on the right side during training camp. Whether it sticks or not, I think will depend how well it works. But I think, you you know, you could definitely see one of those guys moving to the right side. And I think Goudreau can play left or right wing or center. I mean, I think Goudreau, they feel like, is the guy that they can play him at pretty much any position and be comfortable with it. Drury did say the other day during our conference call with him that he wants to keep Hedl at center. So I I think people were questioning whether Hedl would stay there or not, and they're at least going to start him off there, it sounds like. I'm telling you right now. I think there's a very good chance that Hedl is on the same line with Gaudreau, and Gaudreau is going to end up taking a lot of faceoffs, like an important D-zone draw, or when the Rangers feel like they really want to win a faceoff. Hedl was the worst guy on the team for that last year, and Gaudreau has a better faceoff percentage than anybody who who was on the team last season. So I think you'll see him play in the middle in certain situations. Uh, but I, I definitely think you could see a situation where where Hedl and Gaudreau are on the same line. But I'm really interested to see how he how he moves things around. Does he play Panarin and Zabinajad together? Because I think a lot of people have been curious to see that for several years now, for a couple of years now. Or does he keep Panarin and Strom together? Does he move one of those left wings to the right side? Is he, is he willing to play Kratsov in the top six? Or does he view him as a third liner right now? And is he going to move Goudreau up if that's the case? So there, there's a lot of questions. I think the top nine names, we know who they are, but how they're going to be put together I think that's going to be really interesting to watch in the first few days of camp.
2: Vince, could you lay out a scenario in which Niels Lundqvist is not one of the three right-handed defensemen for the Rangers on opening night?
3: I mean, if he's totally outplayed by, by Schneider or Jones, it's possible, but everything that I've seen in these first four days of development camp indicates that not only is Lundqvist as advertised, but that the Rangers are going to give him every chance to succeed. And even when we asked jury about it uh, on that call, he did. He stopped short of saying that it's Lundqvist's job to lose or that he's at the top of the depth chart right now, but he said, I think that there's a very good chance if he performs well that when camp is over, you'll see him standing there. And that's honestly more candid than Drury would usually be. So I think, you know, when we talked to Lundqvist the other day, he feels like the timing is right. He, he, he obviously became a very high-end, borderline dominant player in the SHL in the last couple of years. He, he's bigger and stronger like I haven't seen him in person since 2019 saw him the other day I'm not saying he's a big kid he's not but like he's clearly a little thicker and a little more muscular than he was I mean, maybe he put on 10 pounds of muscle in the last two years or something like that not a big number but he's clearly a little more physically ready than he was a couple years ago and I think by waiting he's now coming in a situation where like He has a really good chance to win the job, whereas had he come last year, it would have been more competition, might have been more likely to go to Hartford, wouldn't have been as ready. So he is definitely in position to seize that job. You look at the signing of Patrick Nemeth. They don't have a pre-existing relationship. Nils said that that, uh, Nemeth called him recently, and that was the first time that they talked. But obviously they have the Swedish connection. Nemeth is left-handed. Nils is right-handed. Nemeth is a stay-at-home guy who's going to be reliable defensively, which will enable Nils to push forward in the rush, take some chances offensively. So it's it's the, the cards are stacked right now for him to be able to win that job. The only thing that would stop him is if his play falters or one of those other defensive prospects clearly outplays him. But right now, everything that I've seen, the, the quick release – the way that he skates, his vision on the ice, he, he's been willing to engage physically. He looks pretty comfortable defensively, although we'll see if that holds up once he gets to playing against real regular NHLers. I mean, that's going to be a question mark, obviously. But I've talked to people in Sweden recently for this prospect series I'm doing, and everybody feels like he made strides defensively. So right now, Lundqvist is definitely the, the odds-on favorite. But I, I I do think that there's opportunity for the other guys if they do something to, to really – separate themselves and push ahead of him
1: i don't know if there's anything that schneider or jones can really do or have done in prospect camp or even in training camp when it does open to push Niels. but the other player i kind of want to talk about from this development camp is morgan baron he's likely to make the squad i think as a fourth liner but we, uh, I don't, I but don't we know. do know that as i, I was about to say but we do know gallant doesn't really like to play those kind of guys on the fourth line so uh, what have you seen from him and i guess do you, I, I, you gave it away already but do you expect him to start in the ahl
3: it's a toss-up for me right now. Uh, he in development camp, he stands out. I mean, first off, he's he's a
1: big, strong dude. He gets inside.
3: He, he looks like he could play Superman,
1: like as like a B-roll. You know what I mean?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, he, he, I mean, but he he's stand. He, he's been the best forward on the ice the last few days. But he's playing against mostly guys that are a year or two, maybe three years younger than him. He's the most experienced. Like you would expect that. So I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into him looking good in development camp. Uh, and he hasn't really cared. He's had some scoring opportunities that he hasn't cashed in on. But in terms of just physically the way that he looks around these other younger guys, like he stands out and, and he's clearly a guy who is going to you know, win a lot of puck battles and play good defense and that sort of thing. But I mean, in some ways, I think, you know, the incumbent on the fourth line for center and the guy that the Rangers decided to protect in the expansion draft was Kevin Rooney. So you have to think that it's at least 50 50 between the two of them. I think that Barron could definitely win that job. He will have the opportunity to win that job, but he's gonna have to he's gonna have to outplay Rooney. Because if, if if Rooney, who's a guy that we know the Rangers like on the PK and they were comfortable, you know, riding on that fourth line all year last year, if he's the better player in camp, I don't see how you don't give him the job. So I think I'm looking at that fourth line center role as a competition between Barron and Rooney, and then on the outside, sort of looking in as depth and as guys who, you know maybe if something crazy happened could make a push for the the role i would say greg mccaig who we all know and love. Hey, welcome back and 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 i'm telling you right now don't sleep on justin richards the rangers really like him basically as like kevin rooney 2.0 they think he's incredibly defensively responsible he was the two-time conference defensive player of the year uh, for minnesota duluth when he was in college He got derailed a little bit last year because he got COVID during training camp. So he was supposed to be at NHL training camp and then didn't get to participate. Ended up playing in Hartford. He told me the other day that the COVID effects definitely lingered and it took him a while to really feel like he was back to himself. Now he's got a a fresh start. And I think like if an injury happens or something like that, I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp. That would be a long shot. But if an injury happens or something like that, he's not that far down on that center depth chart. Like if McKaig is number or Barron and, and Rooney are four or five, then McKaig and Richards are uh, six, seven right now.
2: What are one or two boldest training camp predictions you have? If, if you were to gun to your head article that you're absolutely going to write and maybe, maybe put behind a paywall, maybe <laughs> boldest, <laughs> boldest predictions you have, it going into camp, that you think we will see on opening night for the New York Rangers.
3: So you want me to give away the story that I'm going to write and ask people to go to and just tell them. Go to, to
2: Support fans, everybody. everybody, actually, and wait, wait, and
3: they have to pay for this podcast? Not this one. Is that? Oh, okay, not right. this okay. one. So Some, not The OTs. Well, same with me. They, we do one paywall article a week. The rest are free. Although you only get seven free ones a month, just for the record. But um, <laughs> as as far as bold predictions. <sighs> You know, I don't know. Like we talked about the top 9 thing, like that's really going to be a big focus for me. Uh but I I don't like I, is it a bold prediction that I think Chris Re- Kreider might end up on the right wing? Like no. I don't know if that's that, well, I don't know if that's you, that like
2: bold. maybe maybe Philip Heedle is actually the Rangers second line center because it's Gerard Gallant, it's a new eye. We don't have to play by David Quinn's rules anymore, blah blah blah.
3: I think he'll get looks there, but I mean, Ryan Strom as we just talked about has been a much more productive player. Um so I mean, I do think that there's a better chance that we see Panarin and Sabinajad together than there was previously. And I, and I think that, that that's something they'll at least experiment with. I've been really curious to see that because when they signed Panarin, everybody thought that that's what it was going to be. And David Quinn, even like the first time I met David Quinn, that was one of the first questions. And he said that the plan was to play them together. And then they had like four or five games together and it pretty much never happened again besides like two games last year. So I'd be really curious to see that. And I do think, galant will give it a look at some point i don't know if he'll definitely roll with it into the regular season but i think they'll look at it so maybe that's a
1: bold prediction
2: i'm mm. curious you know, curious you say that vince ryan did someone else say that on this podcast no never
1: does. smart guys <laughs> smart guy <laughs> oh, sorry just you all right hey,
3: I, I, the, the panarin Strom thing is always going to be a fallback and i feel like because of the chemistry like there's a decent chance that they keep it that way but i mean if it was me i'm no nhl coach obviously but if it was me I'd be curious to see how it looks if you put your two best players in the same line. Just you know, just out of curiosity. But well, my, my um, thinking,
2: Vince, and tell me if I'm crazy for thinking this. It was just, it's hard for me to believe that a new head coach. As much as we love Lafreniere and Kako, I have a hard time believing both of those guys will be on a line with Mika Zibanejad. So like, if it if it's only one of them, I have a harder time believing Barclay Goodrow is going to be on the line with Mika Zibanejad. So, if you could only put one kid with Mika, isn't it logical just to put Panarin as the other one?
3: I wouldn't be, listen, I wouldn't completely rule out uh, a line with Lafreniere, Mika, and, and Kako. I mean, it's not out of the question. I, I think more likely you would maybe see a guy like Kreider on the right wing in that situation. But I think any, as I told you guys, I think really anything is possible with that top nine. I think I don't feel strongly that. One line absolutely has to be together. Like these three guys, if you don't play them together, you're crazy. So I think I think he's going to play around with it. I think there are some interesting possibilities there. But with like you think about the defensemen, I think we pretty much know who the six are going to be. Like there's not going to really be any surprises yeah, that's, there. That's the lovely yeah. The, the goalies, we know who those guys. Well, are. Well, hold be on,
1: hold on, Vince. That's one of my, that's my next question. Georgiev, Georgiev last... is he going to get traded? Yeah, well, not. Well, of course, that's been the question forever at this point. But is. Is there any chance that Georgiev could get beat out as the backup goalie going into camp with my client, Keith Kincaid?
0: I doubt
3: it to start the season, but I think if Georgiev has another stretch, like that mid-season
1: stretch... The breakaways where he, where he just gave up every single one? Yeah.
3: yeah. He, when, when Igor got hurt and they needed to lean on Georgiev last year, he he really fell flat. I, I, I also think that if you want to talk about trades before training camp, it would not shock me if he's traded. He has not requested a trade. For the record, uh, that was made very clear to me by his agent. But I, the Rangers have shopped him. I know that as well. I think that they they look at it like they'd be okay with Kincaid as the backup, and they don't really see Georgiev as a long-term piece here. Igor is clearly their guy. You know, they kind of played that game last year. It was like, oh, we're not going to name a number one, even though we knew it was Igor. It's Igor, yeah. uh, but th- this But this year is clearly Igor. Although, you know, interestingly, goalie depth, if you look at it right now, I think, like, if you get rid of Georgiev, right –
1: and Kincaid's the backup. If
3: somebody gets hurt, you're going to have to rely on a really unproven guy to be the backup, like yeah, Adam Wall Huska. Would probably be
1: a, it or
3: Maybe, may but I mean, Wall and Huska both had like pretty bad statistics with Hartford last year, and like Garand and some of these other guys are way too young to be options. They're not even signed yet. So, like, if you were to lose, Georg- trade Georgiev or get rid of Georgiev or whatever and have Kincaid as the backup and somebody gets hurt. Well, then you're asking either wall or Huska to step into the NHL. And like, I don't know if there's a whole lot of confidence that those guys are NHL goalies at this point. Although wall had a good day at development camp today, but I'm talking about like an hour long practice.
1: Yeah. You can't count that. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I have to ask one other nonsense question. Uh, How's Tanner glass look on the ice as a coach. What's he up to.
3: Energetic. Uh, uh, He's been, uh, he's been one of the most noticeable guys out there. It's like, I I should make this clear because a bunch of people have been saying this, like tweeting this at me and whatnot, the the regular coaching staff, like a lot of those guys, they're observing a lot of this, but they are not on the ice working with the kids at development camp. Jed Ortmeier runs this. He's the director of player development, and he's out there with Tanner Glass and some of these guys that work for him. Uh, So just for the record, that's that's the guys that are out there. But yeah, you know, I've seen Glass out there every day.
1: Tanner's like our dream interview. I want to interview him so fucking bad.
2: Vince, if you ever want to, if you want to ever hear Ryan at his most depressed, the episode we did last week, Ryan was in the woods for two weeks, didn't check his phone, did nothing. I had him absolutely convinced that Tanner Glass was fired. For like and the first the five saddest, minutes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What? They let him Ryan go? Why did nobody tag me?" And then,
1: what, uh, what is the what is with the Tanner Glass? Oh, Tanner was, uh, you know, a legend of of his time. He was like he he was the reason that Bujnevich was was benched before uh, he was here with Elaine Lane Vigneault. He was he so, was
2: he was our great first foil. Yeah, he was like sort of like the started.
1: meme god of uh of Rangers Twitter for a while. Yeah, I mean he was a popular player. He's uh, also super nice, like in person. Yeah, was, like yeah, he was like <laughs> really he was like nice. one of
3: those like blue collar, hard nosed guys that I know fan love. Jed Ortmeyer was one of those too. Oh, by the way, I had him on my podcast last week. Hey, nice New plug. I New I City, everybody, check it out. Uh, available on all podcast platforms. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, J- Jed actually had some really cool stories. He. He played with the Rangers from 03 to 07. You think about that. He started off playing with Messier and like Leach. Like he was there when those guys were just kind of exiting and he got to spend time with them. Then he was there for that insane Yager year. And then he was also there when Hank arrived. So like he had some pretty cool stories about like all these different legendary players that he got to spend time around when he was really only in New York for four years and was like bouncing back and forth between the NHL and the AHL.
2: Uh, fun wow. fun fact. My very first Ranger jersey, and still a Ranger jersey I own and wear, is a Lady Liberty Jed Ortmeier, number forty seven.
3: There we go. Wow, big support. Wow, you should t- you should tell him that he's a nice guy.
2: I think it's why he follows me on Twitter because I say it like when people are like, "Name your first jersey," and I'm like. Jed Ortmeyer, number 47. I think he saw it enough times that he follows me on Twitter.
3: <laughs> I guy. also found out when I was talking to him, he's from Nebraska. Like, I didn't even know. I was looking at, like, the rosters of the Rangers that he played with, and I was really interested in that. But I had I had no idea he was from Nebraska, which you would not think a lot of hockey players come from Nebraska.
1: Definitely not. I'm not sure what else happens in Nebraska, a state I often forget.
2: They, they pretend to be good at football, and that's where the College World Series is.
1: Last question. How are you feeling about the Jets? Oh, boy. Honestly...
3: Like the first half I'm watching and I'm like, Oh my God, this, this just feels so familiar. Like, you know, and every year what I do is I get myself like sort of optimistic in the summer. And I'm like, you know, and then I always try to tell like the last couple of years I've really tried to tone it down and like, listen, dude, you know, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, just like accept that they're going to suck, you know, look for a few silver linings and move on with your life. But this year, like, I, I will say, I really do like Salah. Like when I hired Adam Gase, I was like, this this feels like it's going to be really bad. And it was. You you Sala, were not the only
1: one that thought that, in case you are wondering.
3: Salah Sala just seems like a good dude to me, like from, from the media perspective. Like he seems like he'd be like a good coach to cover and be around. And like, I always felt that same way with Rex Ryan. Like I thought Rex Ryan would have been awesome to cover. I don't know if Salah will be quite as uh, entertaining as Rex was. But I, I just think Salah seems like a good dude, a smart dude. Uh, you know, brings the right kind of mindset and energy and all that. And I think Douglas has honestly done a pretty good job of accumulating assets. Like, and and it's a rebuilding situation. Obviously you have to be patient, but the first half looked really bad. The second half, there was, there was some resiliency and and Wilson's got a lot of talent. Like, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it or not. I've had too many quarterbacks burn me in my jets life to say that he's definitely going to make it, but like he's probably the most talented jets quarterback I've seen in my life for whatever that's worth. Um, so I don't know, you know, the offensive line with the pass protection was terrible and now Beckton's going to be out for a while. So that's, that's bad news, but you know, I'm just, I, I'm going to watch. I'm not like nearly as invested as I was 10, 15 years ago. And I'm curious to see how this rebuilding process goes. Like I, I like the, the, I'm fascinated by the inner workings of the front office and all sports and like, you know, roster building and, and accumulating assets and what you do with those assets and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm curious to see what Douglas does with this. I'm not feeling as dreadful as I was
2: two years ago. I don't think you should. Uh, last because... last question for me: How are we feeling about the Yankees?
3: Well, they won today, um, so that's there's that. Uh, I, Greg, I actually saw. I was a, I was, I'm. Sleep is hard to come by these days. We went through. This is just a quick baby story. We went through like most of the summer where he was sleeping through the night. And then in the week leading up to development camp, he decided, eh, I'm going to go back to that waking up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning thing. Dope. So I've been super tired in the last 10 days, uh, especially getting up and going to the facility. So last night I'm watching the game, and I saw the Stanton home run, which, I mean, when he hits home runs, those are just, like, no doubt about her bombs right off the bat. And then I saw the whole, you know, dugouts clear thing, and I'm like, oh, maybe that'll be a spark for the Yankees. But I couldn't stay awake. And then I woke up in the morning, and I'm like, I wonder how that game turned out. And the first thing I see when I opened up Twitter was Lindor celebrating his third home run of the game. And
1: I was like, oh, all right. Well, there's that. <laughs> hey,
3: glad, I didn't, glad I didn't stay up for that.
1: <laughs> a good one. Yeah, uh, fourth place in the division. Or they were until they won today. So go Yankees, I yeah. guess. So. Yeah,
3: I, I just don't think they, I, I mean, they have a lot of name players, but I
1: just don't think it's a balanced enough roster. The Rays have no names players, and they are very good. Yeah. So yeah,
3: actually no they got they got my my guy brendan Lau who has been crushing it recently for my
1: fantasy team so love me some brendan Lau. they have three Laus: yep. Lau, low and Le, ooh, whatever it is they traded nate low to texas anyway vince thanks so much for coming on appreciate it why don't you plug all your stuff your podcast new ice city you can follow usa today get the, all, all the articles there's a bonus premium article i eat up all of vince's content you should too he's a good friend of the pod there you go. What, what else? You just, is did it. You, you just did it for him. I think it's better me. I did it. It helps. That's, you know, it works. Yeah. So, all yeah, right. Just, We're going to end this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at OrionMe. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts break. We'll be back later in the week with the BSBOT on our Patreon. Sup- surprise. Love you guys. Bye. And I want to thank the Offer Sheet Club members for making this podcast possible. As you know, I give them all the information first before everybody else. That's how this works. That's the deal we worked out. Right now, there's not been a lot of information, but as you know, Vince... Just said on this podcast, he thinks there might be a trade in the next couple weeks. I find that hard to believe because camp is very soon. But maybe the, the New York Rangers surprise us all. And if I do find it out, I will tell you. I promise. Uh, these supporters do it all for us. Here's Adam Cohen, Adam Cheech. Dim Cheech? <laughs> I figured it out this week. Okay. Alex Gardner, Alexander, Amber Koesberger, Ben Webers, Ben Waters, Biggie's Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway, Blue Shirt Breeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Daniel DeZen, David Nardin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Eric Stagg, Georgia Britsky, Gar- Give Gartner a cup, Jacob Berkerwitz, JD, Jimmy Mack, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Lazer Gronkowski, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Patrick- Pavel Kojarev, Steven Lomayer, Stigbulbach, Bach, Swingart, the drop BK, uh, Tom Sinclair. I just messed that one up. I'm so sorry, Tom. I, I, I apologize. You know who I am. Tommy O'Neill, the legendary tour from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Will Specter. Thank you so much for making... This so much more fun and lively. I cannot wait to get back to New York Rangers hockey with all of you. We love you guys. We'll see you at OT later this week. If not, we'll be back next week with another fun little episode. Bye.